So here we are. We spend a third of our lives at work. A huge part of who we are, our identity, is connected to what we do professionally. As humans, we are obsessed with our working lives. Our work, our career, our path to success is always a talking point amongst friends. To find a job you love so you never work a day in your life, well, that's just the holy grail. We all want it. We crave success. We crave growth. We are inspired by those who have gone before us and demonstrated the way to show us that it is possible to have it all. Are you ready to work it? Let's start the conversation. Hello, I am excited to be back recording again. It has been over a year since I recorded the first episode and while my intentions were very good, um, I never got around to recording a second episode. I suppose I didn't realise the amount of research and preparation that went into um, actually running a podcast, uh, even though it's something that I have huge passion and interest in and I could talk for days about many numerous topics all related to career success the psychology of work and so on um it's definitely uh, something that I I want to dedicate more time to so if you have listened to my first episode I'm I'm super thankful and grateful I've I've received many notes um during the year to say that people have been listening so thank you and if you haven't listened to episode one take a listen to it uh, now so here we are episode two it's called the blame game okay so we're going to start off this episode with a question and the question is do you get the sunday night fear So I'm not talking about a heavy night on the town on the Saturday and you have a major hangover on Sunday. Um, I'm not talking about that fear. I'm talking about the fear of that dreading feeling, you know, when you feel it in your tummy and you kind of just feel it, you sense it, you know the weekend is coming to an end and you're going to have to go into work on Monday morning. So let's face it, we all get that kind of fear that, oh, I have to go back to work feeling uh, every so often. However, if you are getting that Sunday night fear constantly, every Sunday night, and you're getting almost like a knot in your stomach, and maybe you can't sleep the night before, that is when I would start to think, right, there's something going on with my work. There's something that I'm not particularly happy with. And that is when you, you know, it's a good time to start asking yourself some questions, doing a little bit of a a career audit, job audit, what is going on with me? Why am I feeling this way? Developing a little bit of self-awareness around your situation and trying to understand very clearly what is going on? Do I need to get out of this job? Do I need to fix something? Do I need to change career? What is making me unhappy? What is giving me the sense of dread? Um, and yeah, like it's just a really great question to start off the episode with. So the Sunday night fear, is this something that occurs often on a Sunday for you or just every so often? And again, it's quite normal to get, you know, that feeling of, okay, I'm not too keen to go back to work on Monday. But if you're getting that every Sunday, uh, every time you have to go back to work, then it's definitely time to do a bit of a check in with yourself. The next thing I was wanting to talk about is some of the reasons why people choose to leave their career. 
So some of these might seem really obvious. However, if you're in a job and you don't really, you know, I suppose you don't really get a chance to ask people a lot of the time why they're leaving a job or people might give a kind of a vague reason or they just say, right, I'm going on to the next job and they don't really explain it too much or you mightn't want to dig for answers. However, there has been a lot of research done um, in the organizational psychology space around why people choose to leave their career or leave a job. And it's really, really interesting. And it's so interesting that I find it so interesting. It was the topic that I chose to study when I did my thesis for my master's in organizational psychology. So it was looking at why early career teachers wanted to leave the teaching profession so early on in their careers, basically. Um, and I found it so interesting. I got to speak with lots of of teachers, early career teachers who were early out in their career, you know, had only done it for a couple of years and yet still they were thinking of leaving. And I was just so interested in investigating and analyzing what were the patterns, what was emerging as the reasons that were, you know, encouraging people to leave. And I suppose in the process of doing all of that study and research, um, I also would have studied, you know, other industries and in general, why people do want to leave their jobs and what actually makes them make that jump. Um, because there's a difference between uh, turnover intentions versus actual turnover. There's two different things. So yeah, obviously it would make sense that your turnover intentions are something that happen before you actually leave. So people will have an intention around you know, whether they want to stay or whether they want to leave. And that's kind of like a, a scale, I suppose. And sometimes it'll be tipping over towards that. I'm actually going to leave. I need to leave. Uh, whereas some people, you know, would have it on a, a more milder uh, level of I, I, I'm thinking about leaving and so on. So um, it's not always, you know, one one extreme or another. Um, and that's where a lot of people lie. They, they're in that kind of middle ground where they're they're half thinking of leaving, but then they remind themselves of all the reasons that they want to stay and of all the benefits. And I know, especially with teachers, um, and I go back to that teacher's example again, because that was the work that I was in <clears throat> before I, I transitioned to a new career. Uh, I know a lot of teachers and, and myself included, you constantly get that question of, why would you why would you leave a career when you're you're getting uh, all of these holidays you know summer holidays easter holidays christmas holidays midterm breaks and then obviously you're off quite early compared to some other jobs um and so on so you know you you will start to weigh up the pros and cons of things and there can often be a conflict there you know um especially when there's you know when you throw in different people's opinions as well because everybody has an opinion about everything um you know and once you start opening that conversation with people they will give their opinion and then you'll have your own opinion mixed in with everybody else's opinion and it can really make you know making decisions extremely difficult which is often the reason why a lot of people delay the decision making process when they are deciding to change careers and can make can make it a little bit trickier to to make the move. So I just wanted to kind of briefly talk about some of the reasons why people leave their career because I actually find it extremely interesting and I'm sure many of you would as well. Um and I'm sure a lot of you now when I go through them will start to ask yourself how do I feel about that particular um reason? compared to how, you know, I am in my current job, would that be a reason why I would leave currently? 
So the first one is a lack of growth. Um, and that can be a lack of kind of personal growth, a sense of growth, professional growth. Um, you know, a lot of people, they aren't, you know, ne- you know, they're not all looking to climb um, the career ladder. They don't all need um, huge paychecks or, you know, uh, big job titles. A lot of the time growth can just be a sense of growth, you know, like they feel like they're they're getting something out of it, that they're improving all of the time. Um, that they are doing rewarding work. And in that sense, it's a sense of growth. Whereas other people need some more, you know, you know, tangible things like they are moving up a career ladder or a corporate ladder. You know, they are getting the new job titles. They are getting the pay rise. They're getting all of these new opportunities. So growth can can mean different things to different people. So lack of professional advancement is another one. So say for the likes of Say again, going back to the example of teachers, a lot of teachers might feel, okay, well, where do I go next? What's my next career move? What's my next step? And yes, they might be able to pivot sideways to go into like maybe a um a supporting role for the teacher or, you know, um certain special needs roles. You know, there is there isn't always those opportunities other than maybe going into like a principal's role. Um so that can be a reason that turns people off when especially when when they have that inside need, that inner need to grow. And that's a huge um, part of organizational psychology that we study. Um, people innately want to feel like they're growing. It's, it's within us. People want to grow as people. That is something that we need. It's an, an actual need for us. The feeling of that sense of, of growth, that we're improving, that we're getting better and better. And when we don't have that, it can really make us feel stuck and really frustrate us and, and keep us in an unhappy place. And it can like knock our confidence and our self-esteem and our sense of worth and our ability and so on. So um, yeah, that, that, that growth area is a huge, huge factor for a lot of people in, in their decision around staying and leaving a particular career or job. Another area then would be around poor manager support. So we've all heard of of bad managers. We've all had them. We all know the stories of them. Um, and, you know, it plays a huge role. It, we can't underestimate the importance of having a good manager. And a lot of managers, like, they, they do try their best. And a lot of the time, it's probably not intentional that they're, that they are poor at managing others and supporting their teams. However, you know, sometimes it's just due to, you know, they haven't been upskilled enough or they haven't enough experience uh, or maybe they mightn't have the right people skills or whatever to deal with people. Um, and then sometimes it can just come down to personality traits, like sometimes certain personalities mightn't bond or get, a, you know, a good connection um, as other personalities might might easily um you know, work together, you know, um, and that that relationship mightn't kind of blossom as naturally or as quickly as you would like it to. However, it's really important that it comes from both sides. And if, if it feels like you are the only person that's trying to make this relationship work with your manager and you don't feel like you're getting the support, it might be time to kind of maybe speak up and, and recognize this. 
Um, another huge factor why people leave their jobs is a lack of appreciation. And it doesn't always come down to someone getting a clap on the back or a huge bonus or anything like that. It's really just that sense of feeling valued and appreciated and recognized. Again, that doesn't have to be a public display of appreciation. It's it's really the subtle everyday things that you know what you're doing is actually making a difference in, in somebody's life and that it's appreciated by your manager, by your team, by your peers or by the customer that, that you're, you know, your client or whoever it is that you're, that you're helping your, your stakeholders. Um, so that lack of appreciation, when you feel like you're not being valued, it can really like decrease that sense of worth and, and make you, it makes you feel like you're not doing a good job and you're you just it'll make you think right well well if I'm not being appreciated or valued here what's the point of it all like why why would I put in huge effort into this or why would I go the extra mile um, and when people do feel appreciated they they are comfortable to go the extra mile they are comfortable to go above and beyond and they will really show that loyalty and commitment to a company or an or an organization when they do feel appreciated so along with like growth and appreci- like pre- appreciation is a huge factor for people in in whether they enjoy the work that they do and it's again something so subtle and so so kind of you know not it's not something you can touch sometimes it's not very tangible but it's it's just that sense you know and you can sense it within a culture of of an organization as well like what is the vibe that you get when you come in do you get a sense that people are are supportive of one another and they appreciate each other's work um, you can get that almost, you know, immediately when you walk into a place. It's 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 mad what you can actually pick up on quite quickly. Another thing then would be when you don't have work that is challenging enough. So sometimes you're in a job, you might be finding it a little bit monotonous. You might think, right, I could do more than this. And again, that comes back to that growth element. We all need to feel like we're growing or improving a little bit all the time and and some people don't like change and they mightn't want a big challenging environment but at the same time they want to feel like they are they are improving they're doing better bit by bit and that they, that they're doing something you know that they're, they're not wasting their time from day to day so having work that is not very challenging or not challenging enough for you can turn people away from that job or career Another one then is a poor work environment and not feeling like you belong. There are huge amounts of studies done on that sense of belonging. It's so important. And I know one of the theories that's out there is around job embeddedness theory. And it's it's an, a, a really interesting theory. Um, again, I would have studied that um, <clears throat> when I did my master's. And it's all around why certain people feel like they belong in an organization or the place that they work versus what makes people feel like they don't belong and it's it's really fascinating all of the very small and subtle things that can make a difference to whether someone feels like they belong or not and the reality is when somebody feels like they don't belong that is exactly when they will want to leave so they may be getting lots of things like that sense of growth or they may have a great manager and great appreciation from their manager and so on. But if they feel like they don't belong amongst their group or they just don't feel there's something that's not clicking, it could be even to do with like the mission and vision of the company might not align with what they feel, you know, aligned to their, their personal values and so on. If they don't feel like they belong, that will definitely encourage them to want to go somewhere else where they feel 
you know, included and that they belong. And again, that poor work environment, if there's kind of tensions or politics or those types of things that are more negative, that will be a definite reason why somebody might want to move on. Another big one is around emotional reasons. So certain jobs carry uh, emotional kind of um, baggage, I suppose, with them. You know, certain jobs, um, like all jobs carry a certain amount of stress. However, you know, there's certain key jobs, you know, especially if you're maybe in like a caretaking role. If you're looking after people, you know, it can be quite stressful. It can lead to burnout. And then there's a lot of emotionally and physically draining jobs as well. Um, I know with, with the likes of teaching or with nursing, you know, it can be quite emotionally draining where you're constantly giving and giving and giving to people and you maybe you're taking a lot away from yourself personally. So it can be very emotionally draining for people and can lead to burnout if, if it's not managed correctly. Or if you feel, you know, that, that there's there's no system there that is set up for you uh, to look after yourself um, or that you're being thrown under the bus and, and you're not really being looked after yet. Um, so so these are, are huge reasons that, that turn people away from lots of careers, careers that they probably would have thought, right, this is my vocation. I'm going to dedicate my life to this. This is a huge cause that's really important to me. However, you know, they people might quickly realize, you know what, this is too much for me personally. I need to remove myself. I need to take a step back here. Um, another one then is work-life balance. Again, that kind of explains itself. Some people work shift work. They work during the night. They work too many hours. There's too many, you know, demands on them that they have to work, um, you know, into crazy, crazy o'clock to get their work done. Um, certain industries are kind of known for that, uh, whereas other industries are kind of, you know, better at their work life balance. And, you know, or certain organizations are, are, are copying on to that, that people want a life where they can go to work and yes, come home as well. And they want that flexibility. You know, they want to be able to come home and look after their family in the evening or they want to be able to go and have a life outside of work as well. And, you know, I think pe- people are realizing and organizations are realizing that, you know, productivity is 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 going to be better if if the work-life balance is is good. And the whole thing around working from home and flexibility is obviously a huge conversation piece now. And it's definitely, you know, drawn attention to that work-life balance and what actually matters for employees now. So that is definitely a reason that pushes people away. And again, that that work-life balance, if it's if it's off, it again leads to things like stress, burnout, you know, not sleeping well, not having, you know, time for other aspects of your life, which can lead to, you know, feeling pretty pretty bad about yourself and can lead to other things like anxiety and so on. Another thing then is that lack of flexibility. So nowadays people are definitely looking for remote work and they're looking for not just remote work, but that hybrid role. I mean, certain roles, obviously, like if you have to be in person, like a hairdresser uh, or a makeup artist, then you might have to be in person. You can't really do it all over a Zoom. But now that's what people are looking for. And it's great that this offers opportunities to people, especially in, in like rural Ireland, even the likes of Donegal, Mayo, um, different counties that are, you know, all over, all, all over uh, Ireland now. There's great opportunities for people, opportunities that may not have been there before. So the status is another reason why people leave a job. 
um, or a career even. So they might go into it for X reason and then they realize, you know what, there's not enough prestige or status that is associated with this. And that's fine. Some people want that because that's a part of their lifestyle or they, they want they want the lifestyle or they want a certain image to go along with their who they are as a person. And that is a reason why, why some people leave. It might match who they want to be, the person that they the, the person that they were maybe when they chose the certain career at the time maybe they've evolved to, to become another person now and maybe that's that's doesn't match so they need to find a different role another huge one then obviously is around salary and benefits um you know certain jobs that you think should be paid more i know i have lots of opinions on it there's you know those key jobs that people do you know that that keep the country running they they may not be on the salaries that they should and deserve to be on um, and then then you have other jobs where the salary is is better and you can see why you know when you compare that that somebody would be encouraged to leave because they think right well I'm going to get more money here better benefits a better lifestyle and so on so that again encourages people to leave a lack of innovation I suppose this is a big one in certain um, places you know when there's a lack of evolution you know you're working for a company or um you know, even a school or a hospital or wherever it is, there's just they're they're sticking to their same thing that they've always done. They they have these traditional ways. They're not going to change it. They're not interested in innovation. They're not interested in being better version of of themselves and and running things differently or being creative or using your imagination or any of that. Um, so that can force people out because you know we live in a world that's constantly evolving. You know, we've we've all of these new things that are constantly coming up and improving the way we do things and how we do things. And then when you're in an industry that that's like doesn't move, that doesn't change, that refuses to acknowledge these changes, that can can push people out because it just feels a bit foreign to people now. Um, another one then is unmet expectations about our career. So again, I always think it's funny that that we're choosing our career at such a young age. I know when I did my leave insert, I was 16 years old and had not a clue what it was that I wanted to do. Uh, And then like you're going off these expectations or these ideas of what a career would be around, what it would be like, you know, so you're just kind of guessing based on your knowledge so far up to the, you know, whatever you, whatever knowledge you've accumulated up to your 16 years, that's what you're going off. Or maybe you've seen something on the telly or maybe you've, yeah, you've, you've seen like a movie where someone had that job or you've heard of somebody down the country who had that job. So there can be these expectations around what a career might be about, um, but the reality might be very different. Or maybe you studied um, in college all about a certain, um, you know, job or you learned all of these different skills and in theory you enjoyed all of it, but the reality of it would be very different. For example, I always thought, I always loved science subjects at school. I loved biology. I loved anything to do with science. And the the reason I didn't go down that science route was because I thought, right, when I have a career at the end of it, I'm going to be stuck in a lab wearing a white coat, looking into a microscope. And that just wasn't my idea of fun. So the idea, like at least I was able to think that far ahead, even though I'm not really sure if that's what it would look like. But I'm sure there's different roles you can take. But uh, that just wasn't for me at the time. And I, I'm glad that I could see that. But other people, they go in thinking it will be one thing and the reality can be very different. 
Another thing is a lack of trust and respect. So um, again, that can come from anywhere. It can come from your stakeholders. It can come from your management. It can come from your peers. And it kind of links in well with that kind of that feeling of belonging, that that not feeling like you belong or that poor work environment where people don't respect each other. There's just a negative vibe in the air. The culture is 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 poor. Um, people aren't, you know, it's not a team teamwork um it's not they're not all about teamwork and you know that lack of respect and trust even and lack of yeah autonomy to do your job right that is huge uh, and it's something that even when I work with people uh, in my job now I'm really aware of giving people autonomy to own things and get confident with whatever it is that they're doing and I feel like they they are due it you know um that they have whatever qualification they have got into this job, they have whatever experience they have, let them and trust them to do the job that they have been asked to do, basically, is the way I would think of it. So yeah, lack of autonomy, lack of trust and respect given to employees are huge reasons why people leave their career. Again, another one is poor relationships with colleagues. Um, You know, Sometimes, yeah, I suppose that might be a reason why someone would leave their job uh, or their role um, in a particular company. But you would hope that that wouldn't be a reason why someone would leave their career. Uh, but, you know, our relationships with our colleagues, even that whole social aspect, if that's not there, some people really rely on that for, you know, and, and we even see that, you know, whenever COVID hit, you know, we we missed that socialization. We missed meeting up with those in, in the office to have those chats. And it's mad how much you you realize that you depend on that as well, just for your everyday um, to, for, to meet your social needs and so on. So, you know, that's a really important factor for people. And another one is then sometimes they're just fed up with the red tape and traditional viewpoints. And again, that comes back to like that, that lack of innovation or, you know, their refusal to kind of give up on all of these documents they're going to keep with the way that they did things it's it's it they're going to you know insist on these documents to be filled in or these forms or whatever and a lot of the time as we all know it doesn't always help our our work when we're actually performing and it can just lead to a lot of admin I suppose and that can really frustrate people when they feel like okay this is not my strong point this is not where my strengths lie they're not getting the most out of me I'm not doing the best work that I can do every day and that can be very frustrating for people as well. Okay so moving on one of the things that we're going to talk about now is well there's three things name blame complain um, and I've kind of shipped these all together under the same category because they are top of mind for me at the minute. So the first one is around name. So what I want you to think is, I want you to think, who are the people that you think about at your work most? Um, as in, what is the name of the person that is on the tip of your tongue or that is constantly on your mind. And usually this person either is on your mind for either a good reason, because you like them, or B, you dislike them. So have a think about who are these people that are taking up some space in your brain and really try to um, become aware of why they're there. And if it's a good reason, then great. And if it's not so good, 
they're the ones that you should be spending some of your time looking at. So who are the names that are taking up space in my head? Why are they there? What is going on here? Um, and I suppose when you get to the bottom of it and you start to kind of look at the root cause of whatever's going on there, that relationship, uh, then it can help you to move forward in lots of ways. Um, because, you know, our relationships at work are fundamental to our success and our happiness. So I, I really believe that our relationships at work, um, we, people don't focus too much on them. They just kind of assume that they will happen and that they will be good and successful and they don't really spend too much time thinking about them. Um, but our relationships are key to success. You know, think about it. If we get on really well with people, if people are warm with us, um, you know, if we're warm with them, people feel they're they're happier to approach us. They're happier to have a conversation with us. They'll share more knowledge with us. They'll share opportunities with us. They'll introduce us to other people and so on. So our relationships with the people that we work with every day are key to any kind of success and happiness at work. The next thing I am going to talk about is blame. Um, and blame is a funny one. And I think the more you blame people um, for anything, and we're talking about anything here at work, if we blame somebody uh, or, you know, all, put all the blame onto them or all the responsibility onto them, it can, you know, it can feel good in that moment, but we're really not learning anything from it. So there's a great quote um, that I have here. It says, all blame is a waste of time, no matter how much fault you find with another and how much you blame him or her, it will not change you. So you can sit there and blame somebody for, you know, how badly um, something happened at work, some task was done, you know, maybe it was a team effort, but you know, you're putting the blame onto that person um, and you're saying, right, they didn't, they didn't pull their weight and so on. Is that going to make any difference to, to the result? No. I mean, it might make a difference if you intervene in the middle of the project, but if it kind of is finished or something is done and it can't be changed, then blaming someone isn't really the way to go. And, you know, it's really, I suppose, just going to look bad on you as well if, if, if you're vocalizing this blame as well. Um, so the blame game is something that we should be giving up. And, you know, really and truly, it's not about blaming it, nothing in life should be about blaming somebody else. You don't really benefit from blaming somebody. Um, and we, we should be looking inward and not that we're trying to blame ourselves instead. I'm not saying that, but we should just be looking inward to say, okay, what have I control over here? You know, this is what happened. This is the state of affairs now. And what can we do differently? What could we do differently for the future? What feedback could I share with this person to help improve them? Rather than thinking of it as a big negative experience, there's always some learning that can be taken out of it. Um, and that that's how I would approach it. So another example of this is I recently had a conversation with somebody, another entrepreneur actually, and they had talked about this person <clears throat> that was leaving their, their company um and they had mentioned you know they talked about them and they'd mentioned that that they didn't think that they were good enough for the job and they 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 just basically sat there and slated this person uh which you know was very uncomfortable for me to listen to to be honest but they sat there and and talked about you know how they didn't think they were up for the job and that they didn't have the right interests that they were interested in something completely different uh compared to 
what the job actually was. Um, and after they had said all of this, um, my initial thought and my reaction was, okay, so why did you hire them if that was the case? And I remember distinctly the person just sat there and said nothing. I'm presuming they were a little annoyed that I had said this because it kind of puts the blame back on to the person who hired them. And I think this is a really important thing to flag that there is a huge responsibility on employers to find the right people for jobs and slot them into the right jobs. And a lot of the times job descriptions are created by a team of people who may not really have any experience on the ground of what the job actually entails. They've probably just written up a job description, made it look nice and glossy, um, and then, then they may or may not be involved in the hiring process. But sometimes there can be a bit of a mismatch and then the wrong person can be hired for the job. Now, this person that's hired could be amazing at lots of things. They could do an amazing interview. They could do really, really well. But it really is up to the employer or the hiring manager to recognize does this person have the distinct set of skills that we are looking for to, in order to be successful in this role? Because you could be chosen for a job um, and not have the, the set of skills that's required um, and you could be set up to fail, basically. Now, nobody wants you to fail, but that could be the scenario that you've been offered a job that does not suit your needs. And I suppose that's where the, the employer and the hiring manager need to be on hyper alert to see, will this person do well in this job? Can they succeed at this job? Um, and a lot of the times, as I said, the job descriptions aren't written correctly and there's a mismatch of information. And in, in essence, you, you know, the employee is designed to fail or not be able to perform as well as they could in a different role, the, the role that they actually thought it was. So there's a huge responsibility on employers to communicate exactly what the job would entail, what it is actually involved, to be very truthful about it. Uh, rather than just saying, yeah, yeah, you'll you'll do the job, you'll fit it, and then hoping for the best and then being annoyed with the person when uh, and frustrated with them for not being able to do a good job when they may not have been the right you know person for the job. But anyway, I digress. So that is the blame game. And then another aspect of that is the complain, uh, we'll call that the complain game. So um, while you're giving up blaming I would suggest also give up complaining um so I actually you know I have an example of this you know you're working with people and they're they're complaining a lot of the time and again it really doesn't benefit anybody by complaining all of the time yes we may have things that that are bothering us um and it's fine to think about them and to voice them maybe one-on-one -on -one, but but somebody who's complaining constantly um, about all of the different things that are going on at work that aren't good, that aren't, you know, the way that they should be or whatever, that people are not going to tune into that and they don't want to hear that. So instead of being someone who's blaming others and complaining about everything, all the systems, all the people, why not be someone who is more solution focused? And it's about retraining your thoughts and before complaining, you know, almost switching or shifting the narrative to, okay, this is the situation, this is the lie of the land, and then thinking, right, how am I going to move forward and come up with a, a very good and innovative way to make things that bit better? So the final part of this episode, we've talked about name, blame, complain. This one didn't rhyme, so I kept it separate. 
It kind of goes back to that idea that I had mentioned earlier, though, around mistakes. Mistakes will happen. You will make mistakes. Other people will make mistakes. That is a part of life. It's a part of everyday life. It's a part of being human. Errors will occur and, and that is fine. And another thing is to remember, like, you know, I think when mistakes happen, we can be hugely down on ourselves and we can be constantly saying, you know, why did I do that? I messed up there. And and even I can remember a day there in the not too, you know, distant past, there was a day when one thing went wrong after another. And then you just think to yourself, what is going on here? Um, I can't get anything right. And you start telling yourself all of these stories like, oh, everything goes wrong for me. I'm destined to have everything go wrong, etc. And And recognize that, look, you're just having a bad day these things that you're telling yourself about being useless or stupid or whatever it is that you're saying, they're not true. Just let it sit and then, you know, move forward. So I suppose sometimes when when we tell ourselves these things, it can be like that self-fulfilling prophecy where, you know, if you tell yourself you're useless at something, you will be useless at it. Or if you tell yourself, I'm not confident at speaking, you'll be extremely nervous. So like it almost kind of becomes like this belief that comes true. So like, I think sometimes mistakes happen. That's normal. It's part of life. And I think, you know, on those days, it's okay to just like lay low and, you know, get past that day. But then the next day is a brand new start. And every mistake that, that you make, it's not because you're stupid or or whatever. You know, these things happen. It happens to everybody. They just don't brag about it on Instagram or wherever. Um, and every mistake that happens is a learning opportunity. And I know that sounds cliche, but it really, really is. And I often tell clients, even clients, you know, that are that are in a, in a career situation or a work situation or also clients as well that that own their own business and they're trying to find their feet with developing the business or evolving it to that next stage. And they will constantly run into problems and mistakes. And when they're trying to find their feet, they will struggle. They will say, look, I'm doing this wrong or I haven't a clue what I'm doing. So what I would suggest, you know, I always think experience is a great educator. So what I would suggest is, and it's something that I do myself, is to make a list of things that are annoying you, um, maybe that, that you have done or maybe that somebody else has done. So make a list of all the things that are bothering you, like write them down. There's nothing like putting pen to paper, getting a notebook to put it beside your bed and writing down the things that are annoying you currently. And that, again, could be mistakes that you've made, things that went wrong that could have been better, something that somebody else did that's annoying you. And then beside it, write, you know, the ideal at the other side of the page, write the ideal scenario. Like what if it it was an ideal scenario, what would have happened? And then in between both of those you can write the steps. So what would the steps be if you were to make it better the next time? So you're learning all the time. And then whenever something like this happens again in the future, you'll you'll remember, you'll say, oh, I've experienced this before. This is how I'm going to deal with this now because I've actually, I've I've stood back, I've reflected and I've thought about how I would deal with this. Um, and as I said, it's a great educator to go back and take a look and say, what would I have done differently? And it can be in any situation in your personal life. It could be in your professional life. I know a lot of the times people will say to themselves, why did I say that? That sounded stupid. Or why did I say that in that meeting? Or why did I admit something? Or why, why did I say it this way instead of that way? 
There's so many things. And if there are real issues, then write them down and start to say, right, okay, that's what happened. What could I, what would be the ideal thing to have said or done in that situation that would have been okay? And then try to see what are the steps that you should have taken then to get to that point. And it's just a great way to do a little bit of a self-reflection. So that is it for episode two. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and got some useful tips out of that. And I hope you will join us again for the next episode. Feel free to catch up with us over on Instagram. It's DM Career Conversations. You can email us if you want to get in touch. It's dmcareerconversations at gmail.com or you can see the website for more information about all of our services and products on dmcareerconversations.com. We'll see you next time.